You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I'm so glad to have you with us. Listen, I want you to tag a friend, let them know that we are live here on Facebook. And and here, uh, I want you to do something else. I want you to send your questions in at the end of the podcast. Uh, I have a a time of questions and answers. You can send your questions in and we'll answer your questions or any comments that you have. And remember, you can get the audio of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And I want you to share the broadcast share it the podcast with other folk. I believe it'll be a great blessing to them. Now, I'm teaching from the subject, not from around here. I decided to do something in our last series, understanding the power of your purpose and potential. I decided I would come in after our Sunday teaching and go back over the teaching. And so we did that on that series. We're doing this on this series. And there's several reasons why I decided to do that. Number one, I want it, and I'm a pastor, and and I serve on a, a, a teaching team. My son Michael K is a part of that teaching team. Uh, minister uh, Naomi Scarborough in Columbus, our campus pastor, is part of that teaching team, and we teach the same lesson, but on Sundays. But I wanted our congregation to be able to hear the lesson again. You'll be absolutely amazed at what you don't hear when you're listening on Sundays. And and not only that, I believe repetition is a key to meditation, which is a key to revelation, which is a key to manifestation. So don't ever, don't ever think that you don't need to hear something again. Every week I listen to a healing CD and I list, I go to the our church app and I listen to that same CD once a week, every week, the same CD. So repetition is important. I decided to go back over what we we're teaching on Sundays because there are pastors and ministers and other Christians who are not a part of Faith Chapel, but feel a connection with me. And I wanted to make sure that they get this message is so very important. So we're teaching from the subject, uh, not from around here. This is a five lesson series, and this is our fourth lesson. And the theme of this series is the kingdom of God concept, bringing heaven to the earth. Now, each one of these lessons Lesson one through five, we have subtopics. And the subtopic of lesson one was heaven on planet Earth. The subtopic for lesson two was heaven's motives. Now, the subtopic of lesson three 
was heaven's departure. Now, in our last session, uh, time out, we had some technical difficulties, so I didn't go back over that, but we put it online. Plus, I'll do a little review today and make sure that you catch up with uh, a lesson three. But lesson three, heaven's departure, and today's lesson, lesson four, heaven's return, are complementary lessons. Lesson three, heaven's departure dealt with the fall. Lesson four, heaven's return deals with God's response to the fall. So for just a moment, let's do a quick review of lesson three, heaven's departure. Lesson three, heaven's departure had to do with the fall of man, the fall of man, the original fall of man. Adam, who was the federal head of the human race, I'm talking about his fall. Now, the word fall, the, the term fall of man in Christianity is used to describe the transition of that first man, Adam, from a place of authority and rulership and governorship to a place of subjugation. God gave Adam, the first man, rulership over the earth, and the fall represents that transition from leadership and rulership and authority to subjugation. Now, the fall of man involves several things. The fall of man was a declaration of independence. The fall of man, secondly, was an act of treason. Thirdly, the fall of man was the introduction of death, and death manifests itself in many forms, and we're going to talk about that some of that today. And then fourthly, the fall of man was a transference of authority. God delegated authority to man, Adam. Adam and Eve, through their obedience, turned that authority over the earth to Satan. It was a transference of authority. And then finally, the fall of man was the establishment of a counterfeit kingdom. When Adam turned his authority over to Satan, Satan came in and established a counterfeit kingdom that is characterized by disorder. Now, the word disorder means disarrangement or perversion. Now, listen carefully. Disarrangement simply means to upset the arrangement. So if the arrangement alphabetically is A, B, C, when Satan came in, he changed the arrangement, C, A, B. The, the, this counterfeit system was characterized by disorder, and disorder means a perversion. In other words, if God says up is the right way, Satan came in and said, no, down is the right way. If God says it should be a sexual relations and, and romantic relations should be between a man and a woman, 
Then Satan came in and said, no, we don't. That's not the way we want to do it. It could be between a man and a man, a, a woman and a woman. In other words, he came in and created a counterfeit kingdom. Now, today, in lesson four, we want to talk about heaven's return. And heaven's return deals with the question, why did Jesus come to the earth? Now, every Christian, all of you that are listening to me now, every Christian needs to need to understand why Jesus came to the earth. Why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Now, listen at this. We learned in a previous series that potential is predetermined by purpose. Once you discover purpose, you know what your potential is. However, if we don't know what our purpose is, then there's a high percentage chance that we're going to live below our potential. The same is true in relations to why Jesus came. If we don't know why Jesus came, then the church, believers, you and I will live far below our potential. And I submit to you that that is an unfortunate reality that the church of Jesus is operating far below its potential. And believers individually are operating far below his or her potential. So if I ask you the question, why did Jesus come to the earth? And you said Jesus came to proclaim the arrival of God's kingdom. I would say that's a good answer. If you said Jesus came to bring back to mankind knowledge of the kingdom. Again, I would say that's a great answer. That's a good answer. If you said that Jesus came to the earth to provide entry into the kingdom through his death and through the blood of Jesus, I would say you're absolutely right. If you said that Jesus came to provide those, you and I, who enter the kingdom through the new birth with full status as sons, daughters, and heirs, I will say, yes, you're right on it. But then if you said Jesus came to restore man to his rightful position of authority and dominion over the earth, I will say you hit the bull's eye. All those other reasons are absolutely true, but this is what I want you to center in on. This is what I want you to think about. This is what I want you to highlight in your mind. Jesus came to restore to man his rightful position of authority and dominion over the earth. And that is powerful. And if you get that and you need to meditate on that, 
If you get that, then you will be right in the center of revelation knowledge concerning why Jesus came to the earth. Now, listen at this statement because we're talking about heaven's return. Everything that Jesus said and did centered around the kingdom of God. Everything that Jesus said and did centered around the kingdom of God. So in this lesson, I want to prove that statement out. And I'm going to deal with five areas to prove that in Jesus' earthly ministry in life, everything he did centered around the kingdom of God. We're going to talk first about prayer. Then we're going to talk about Jesus' ministry. We're going to talk about Jesus' teaching. We're going to talk about Jesus' mentorship, what he said to his followers. And then we're going to look at what Jesus said and taught after his resurrection. I want you to listen carefully. Let's talk now about Jesus, the kingdom of God, and prayer. Now, uh, there's a, a text that I am going to quote to you in a moment from Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, and the New King James Version. What is called the Lord's Prayer, and most of us have quoted the Lord's Prayer at some time or another, is mentioned in Matthew chapter 6, but it's also mentioned in chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, Matthew 6, Luke chapter 11. And in Luke chapter 11, the scripture says that Jesus, uh, after Jesus finished praying, so he was praying in a certain area, one of his disciples came up to him and said, Master, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And then Jesus said in the Luke account, Luke chapter 11, he says, when you pray, say. And then he goes through what we call the Lord's Prayer. So I want you to listen at what he said. When you pray, say this. Our Father which art in heaven. So Jesus says that our prayer should be directed to the Father, our Father, which art in heaven. Now watch this. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name has to do with worship. Worship has to do with relationship. So I want you to notice the first thing that Jesus said that we're to do is we're to engage the Father in worship. The next thing on the agenda or the next item is the first petition. And the first petition, Jesus said to his disciples and you and I, he said, pray to the Father that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice the very first petition after worship had to do with the kingdom, that we, his disciples, were to pray to the Father that the Father's kingdom come, 
and that the Father in heavens will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And then the third thing mentioned in that prayer is, give us this day our daily bread, which has to do with our personal life, our personal vision. Now, the order is so very important. The order is so very important. Notice he said worship, which has to do with our relationship. So you should never engage God and just start off asking for stuff. Start off petitioning about things you need and things you want. No, you and I should spend a little time and just worship because worship has to do with relationship. And that's the number one reason why we were created is for relationship. But then notice what he says before we get into our personal needs, give us this day our daily bread. He said that we are to prioritize the kingdom. We're to pray that the kingdom come and that God's will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. So we see in our prayer life, God's kingdom and God's will being done in the earth should be a vital part, a key part of our prayer life. So let's go back. Since we're to pray for the kingdom to come or manifest in the earth, let's go back to our original definition. In lesson one, we gave you a definition of the kingdom. And then I want to add a second definition today. The first definition that we gave in lesson one was that kingdom of God is an invasion of Satan's territory, control, influence in the earth by God's royal family, demonstrating God's power to free men. And we talked about that in lesson one. It's an invasion of Satan's territory. It's a demonstration of God's power. So this first definition basically has to do, and you can send your questions, your comments. Your, the, the, this definition has to do with the power side, power, power. The power of God being demonstrated in the earth is a vital part of the kingdom. Now, listen at this. Miles Monroe who talked a lot about the kingdom, also gives us a definition, and it's a powerful definition. Miles Monroe says that the kingdom of God is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it, his territory, with his personal will, his purpose and intent, and producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyle that reflects the king's desire and reflects the king nature for his citizens. Now, that's a powerful, powerful definition. I'll quote it again, and then I'm going to slow down on it. He says, that the kingdom of God is the governing influence of a king. And for you and I, our king is Jesus. It's the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting his territory with his, per per with his personal will, purpose, and intent. So really the kingdom 
has to do not with our will and our purpose and our intent. See, in the kingdom of darkness, it was about self. But over in the kingdom of God, and that's where we are, if you're born again, that's where you are in the kingdom of God. It's not about us. It's not about our intent, what we desire, and what we like. No, it's about his, the King Jesus, his personal will, his purpose, his intent. Now watch this, producing a culture values, morals, lifestyles that reflects the king's desires and the king's nature for his citizens. So this definition has to do not with power, but it has to do with character. So the kingdom of God involves two things. It involves God's power being demonstrated but it also involves Jesus' character being manifested in the earth through kingdom citizens. That's you and I. That has to do with character. Well, I'll give you a contemporary illustration of that. Most of you listening to me now have heard of Chick-fil-A, a fast food restaurant the centerpiece is a chicken sandwich. Now, this restaurant, Chick-fil-A, was founded by S. Truett Cathy. Now, here's something that you may have not known. Truett Cathy, S. Truett Cathy, was a Christian, a devout Christian, a Southern Baptist. And if you read and go to their website, you'll see that the purpose of Chick-fil-A from its very origin was to glorify God. It was to, to make a positive influence on all those who come in contact with the restaurant, whether it be employees or customers. And it was to be a good steward of what God has entrusted the business with. And you will also discover this, that many of the company's values were and are influenced by S. Truett Cathy's Christian beliefs. For example, Chick-fil-A has a closure on Sunday rule because he believed that Sunday was the Lord's day and it should be a special day and it should be honored as the Lord's day and that employees will have a right to worship if they choose to and spend time with their family and rest. So even though Mr. Kathy, the founder, has died, he died years ago, the company is still replicating, reproducing, demonstrating his core values, what he values is still in operation. So now notice the owners, the managers, the employees have all embraced this closed on Sunday rule and other rules based off what he believed. So they're not living out 
what they think and what they feel and what they want to do. What I want to work on Sunday. I want to do this. No, no, no. They are replicating, reflecting the values of the founder. As Christians, that's what we should be doing. We should be replicating Jesus' values, establishing Jesus' culture, heaven's culture in the earth, not what we think, not what we believe. So we see right at the beginning when he taught his disciples to pray, it involved the kingdom. Now let's look at Jesus' ministry. Let's look at him ministering to the sick and let's look at him ministering those who are bound uh, by everything. Now watch this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we see him ministering to the sick. It says, the New King James Version says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now notice, he went about teaching in the synagogue, and he went about preaching the gospel, the word gospel meaning good news. He preached the good news of the kingdom, and now watch this, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Now notice Jesus connects in his healing ministry, he connects the preaching of the kingdom to God's will to heal the sick. Now notice the connection. He preached the good news of the kingdom to God healing the sick. Now, why did he make the connection? Remember, the fall introduced death. Death has many forms, not just dying physically, but death manifests itself in other ways. It manifests itself, death, in sickness and disease. There was no sickness and no disease until Adam sinned. So, Sickness and disease is our manifestations of death. So when Jesus came in and preached the gospel good news of the kingdom, notice sickness and disease had to leave. Because when you turn on the light, darkness doesn't argue, darkness disappears. Now notice Man, influenced by Satan, introduced death, sickness, and disease. For by one man, death entered. Jesus came preaching his kingdom. That's light now. That's life. And notice he healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, let's look at his deliverance ministry. In Matthew 12, 28, in the New King James Version, it says, But if I cast out demons, Jesus speaking, the Spirit of God, surely, by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. But if I, I cast out demons, by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So now we see in his ministry, 
He connects the kingdom to the deliverance of those who are bound. In other words, any form of bondage is a manifestation of death, whether it's emotional, whether it is mental, whether it is demonic. Emotional issues like abuse and rejection and disappointment and hurt and all those mental things, guilt and frustration and anxiety, all those things come under the heading of death. They are emotional manifestations of death. And then you got mental illness, Alzheimer's and dementia and neurosis and psychosis and schizophrenia and depression and suicidal uh, tendencies and thoughts. All those things come under the heading of mental death. It's mental death. And so whether it is, watch this, whether it is oppression or whether it is obsession and we call obsession addictions, or whether it is possession, all these things are manifestations of death. So you notice now, when the light comes on, darkness leaves. When life comes on the scene, death has to leave. So he preached the kingdom and deliverance come because death entered in by sin. Jesus came in to deal with that, but Jesus brought another kingdom, and the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of Satan. Now, let's look at his teaching. Most of us have heard Jesus say, seek first the kingdom. So let's look at that teaching. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and verse 33 in the New King James Version, it says, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Verse 33, you've heard this, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, provisions shall be added to you. Now, notice here again that Jesus connects the kingdom of God to provision. And why does he, why does he do that? Because poverty lack, and scarcity are manifestations of death. Remember, through one man's sin, Adam, sin entered to the world and death. Death manifested itself in different forms. Sickness and disease are physical manifestations of death. Bondages, emotional, mental illnesses, are emotional and mental forms of death. Poverty, lack, and scarcity are manifestations of death. They're relational forms of death. Divorce, division, 
prejudice, racism, or manifestations of relational death. And Jesus came to undo what the devil did. Now, how did he, what did he say to his followers? Let's talk about his mentorship. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 8, any questions you have, you can send them. Any comments you have, you can send them now. I got my iPad, and I'll answer your questions. I'll give you comments. Let's see what he said to his followers. In Matthew 10, verse 7 through 8, he said to his followers, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received and freely give. Now, he said that when you go, now he was speaking to his disciples, but guess what he's speaking to us too. He said, say, preach, say the kingdom of heaven or the jurisdiction of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when the kingdom is at hand, he said, you'll heal the sick, you'll cleanse the levels, you'll raise the dead, you'll cast out devils. And guess what? That's what we are called to do. That's what we are called to do. And then in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, in the New King James Version, Jesus said to his followers, he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, then the end will come. Now, listen to this. He said, this gospel of the kingdom. Now, that's why we think this is a very important message. This gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, notice, will be preached in all the world. So God intends for the gospel of the kingdom of God to be preached in every nation, every continent, every country, every city, every state. He intends for this gospel of the kingdom to be preached in all of the world. And he said it's to be preached as a witness. Now that word witness means evidential signs, not just verbal, but it means through signs and wonders and miracles. And notice what he says. Now, that tells us that when we preach it properly, we're going to have signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, watch this. And he says, then shall the end come. Now, some people say, well, you know, the, the end can come any day. It may come next week. May, it may come very soon. Well, you know, very soon, you know, 2,000 years ago was very soon. I promise you. Jesus is not coming back next week. You say, how can you say that? No man know the time or the day. Well, no, you're absolutely right. No man know the time or the day. But Jesus says that when this gospel is preached and all the nations as a witness, then the end will come. So when people say, well, you know, the end's going to come next week or it's going to come this. Listen, listen what he said. He said this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached in all nations. Now watch this. There are nations now and there are uh, continents like Asia and, and different countries. You know, there are countries 
where 90% of the people have never even heard the name Jesus. So why is the, how is Jesus going to come back next week when a large percentage of the people have never heard the name Jesus. They have never heard the name. Now, let's add the kingdom of God to that. I would say 90%, probably 80 to 90% of the world haven't even heard the gospel of the kingdom and, and, and have not experienced signs and wonders and miracles. He said that they said that all the nations will hear this and it will be accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles. Then he said, then the end will come. Now, we don't know the exact day, but he said then. Well, it's got to get out. The gospel got to get out because God wants these people. He wants everybody to get saved. Now, some of us just want to get out, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's not God's plan. God's plan, he wants everybody to hear this gospel of the kingdom, not just us here in America. He wants everybody. And then, really, most of the people in America haven't heard the gospel of the kingdom. They've heard a gospel, but not the gospel of the kingdom. Now, let's move. We're moving toward my first closing, but I'm going to leave enough time for you to ask questions. You can ask questions. You can give comments. Let's look after the resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus was around here about 40 days after he was resurrected. And in Acts 1-3, it says, to whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, after his resurrection, he appeared to his disciples. Now, Judas had killed himself, but he appeared to his disciples and listen what he taught them. Out of all the things he could have taught his disciples, the Bible says he was seen of them 40 days and he spoke to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, that tells me that the kingdom of God's message is very important because after his resurrection, out of all the things he could have been talking about, I got a, que I got a question there. Thank you. You can send your questions, your comments at any time. Out of all the things that he was talking about or could teach them, he talked about the kingdom of God. Now, in Acts 28, verses 30 through 31, in the New King James Version, Acts 28, verses 30 through 31, it, we see Paul preaching the kingdom. This is decades after Jesus had died. Paul is preaching the kingdom. And this text is one of the texts that jumped out of me, out at me, and led to this series, not from around here. It says, then Paul dwelt two whole years. He was arrested. He's in Rome waiting for his trial, and he dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching, listen carefully, preaching the kingdom of God and, that's a conjunction, and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Now, that's what jumped out at me. I saw Paul preaching the kingdom of God and 
preaching the kingdom of God and the things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had heard the things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it said he specifically, this is decades after the resurrection of Jesus, after the ascension of Jesus, after Jesus gone back to heaven, this is the new covenant. This is New Testament times. This is not Old Testament. He's preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things pertaining to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I got three questions. Thank you for your questions. Keep sending your questions in. I'm going to answer your questions in just a moment. There are two mistakes. There are two mistakes, I believe, that the church has made. And I want you to listen carefully. The first mistake that I believe that the church has made, and I'm the part of the church, so I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us, including Mike Moore. The two mistakes that we've made, we've substituted religion for the kingdom of God. I hope you heard that. We've substituted religion for the kingdom of God. You can ask any questions. I got three so far. Now, let's look at the difference between religion and the kingdom. Religion focuses on rules and rituals, but the kingdom of God focuses on relationship. Relationship. The first thing that Jesus said we're to pray, hallowed be thy name. That's worship, and that's relationship. That's about us and God, not about do's and don'ts. Now, religion focuses on heaven, but the kingdom of God focuses on the earth. Religion focuses on heaven. The kingdom of God focuses on the earth. Religion prepares men to leave the earth, but the kingdom of God empowers men to dominate the earth. And so you got so many Christians are trying to get to heaven. Heaven is their destination. I want to get to heaven. When I get to heaven, I'm trying my best to get to heaven because we thought that was our purpose our purpose in the earth is not to get to heaven. Earth has always been God's plan for man, not heaven. Now, you don't have to strive to go to heaven. You don't have to work to go to heaven. All you have to do is receive Jesus Christ. You receive him, you are, you've entered into the kingdom of God, and you're fit for heaven. And if you die today, die this moment, you're going straight to heaven. You're going straight to heaven. The moment you receive Jesus, you're fit for heaven. You don't have to work for that. You don't have to strive for that. You don't have to do nothing for that. It's not anything you work at. Think about it. If the purpose that God intended for us was to go to heaven and that's it, then once we receive Christ, we should just die and go on to heaven. No, no. God wants us to dominate the earth. And that was God's, a part of God's purpose to have dominion over the earth. And guess what? I've said this to our church. Listen, even if you go to heaven, it's going to be temporary. We're not going to stay at heaven. We're going to, that's temporary. 
we're going to come back to this earth because there's going to be a new earth and there's going to be a new heaven. God has always intended for us to operate on the earth. So you got all these Christians that think all I have to do is get to heaven and I'm going to be fine. No, no, no. We have a purpose here in the earth. And Jesus, now listen, came to the earth to reintroduce and reestablish God's kingdom on the earth that was lost and eaten. So the first thing, the first mistake that we've made is we've substituted religion for the kingdom. Now, the second mistake that's closely related to the first mistake Thank you for your comments. I got questions. I got comments. You can send your questions and comments, and you don't have to agree with anything that I'm saying. You can send, well, I don't agree with you. Well, send that in, too. That's good, too. Now, listen at this. The second mistake that we've made in the church is we limited the gospel message to the new birth. We've limited the gospel message to the new birth, getting people saved. Now, the born-again experience, now listen so you don't misunderstand me. I'm not downplaying the born-again experience. Getting saved, born again, is the most important act that you can do, the most important thing, act that you can do to receive Jesus, confess him as Lord. But that's not the end of the gospel, and that's not the end of your purpose. The born-again experience is the entry, the doorway into the kingdom, and the kingdom, the gospel message involves much more than just born again. So I'm not putting born again down. That's very important. That's a predominant important, but it's the entryway into the kingdom. So now that we're in the kingdom, what are we supposed to be doing with the rest of our lives on this earth? Unless you're just planning on dying, going to heaven. What should we be doing on the earth? Now, I want to go back to a question as, as, as I wrap this up, because I, I got some comments, I got some questions, and we're going to get to that. And so I want to wrap this up, but I want you to listen to me very carefully. I want you to listen to me. I want you to take your hand if you're watching this podcast and, 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 and screw your ears on. If you're listening to it, I want you to get your, your spiritual ears open right now. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, if you said... Seek first the kingdom of God means get saved. I would say that's, that's a good answer, but it's narrow. It's not comprehensive. If you look at the text over in Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added, Matthew 6, 33. If you go back up in the text, it says, that we're to lay our treasures up in heaven and not on the earth. So if you say giving is a part of what we do to seek the kingdom, I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, that's good. But it's a narrow view of what seeking the kingdom is. So let me give you a comprehensive view. A comprehensive view of seeking first the kingdom involves four words. Present, replicate, demonstrate, and reproduce. Present replicate, 
demonstrate, and reproduce. Now write these down. Present, replicate, demonstrate, and reproduce. Now I want to I want to start with the second, third, and fourth, and then I'm going to go back to the first thing present. Seeking first the kingdom involves replicating the character of Jesus in our world and situations. It's not just getting saved, but you and I are to replicate the character of Jesus in our world and in our situation. When people look at us, they should see the character of Jesus in our world and in our situation. And I got a whole series. Our next series is going to be about replicating the character of Jesus. Number three, we should be demonstrating the power of heaven in the earth. That involves getting baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. We're to demonstrate, and we're going to talk about that down the road. We're to demonstrate the power of heaven on the earth. And then number four, we're to reproduce the culture and the values of heaven in our daily environment. We're to re reproduce the culture and the values of heaven in our daily environments. And I got a whole series where we're going to talk about integrity is the centerpiece environment of heaven. And we're going to talk about that. So two, three, and four is a part of that superstructure that we're going to be talking about. But this is the foundation. Let's go back up to present. Because I think that we've had a shallow idea of presenting the gospel. Very shallow idea. The word pre present has to do with presenting the good news of the gospel of the deliverance from death and the fear of death. Now, we should be sharing with people that they can be delivered from death and the fear of death. Now, quickly as I, as I close, and I got comments there, I got comments there. Quickly as I close, I want to just review death. What is death? Death means separation from God and disconnection from heaven's resources. That's what death literally means. Biblical view of death is to be separated from God and disconnected from heaven's resources. Now, listen carefully. I've already said it, but I want to say it again. Death by one man's sin, Adam, death came in. Death came in. But now listen at this. Death manifests, manifests itself in various forms. Number one, there's spiritual death. Number two, there's emotional death. That's the, the emotional issues, guilt and fear and frustration and rejection and abuse and disappointment. There's mental illness as a form of death. Dementia, 
Alzheimer's, neurosis, psychosis, all those things are a form of death, mental death. Physical death, sickness and disease is a form of, of physical death. Now watch this, financial death, that's poverty, lack, and scarcity. Social and relational debt, that's divorce and division and prejudice and racism, and then eternal death. I am saying that we should be presenting the good news to people of Jesus delivering them from death and all his manifestations and the fear of death. Now, where did you get that from? And I'll quote these scriptures here, and then I'll close and answer your questions. In Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 in the New Living Translation, I want you to go back and look at it. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. The Bible said the devil had the power of death, and only in this way could he set free all who live their lives as slaves to the fear of death or the fear of dying. Now, in the Message Bible, it is very powerful. The same text, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 in the Message Bible. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, in other words, we're born physical beings. It is logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood. He became a man also in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, Jesus, taking it to himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Now that is powerful. And that's the full message of the gospel of the kingdom that we should be presenting. It's not that Jesus delivered us from spiritual death, but he delivered us from all of the other manifestations of death. And you say, well, now nah, that's powerful, but you got to meditate on it. Well, physical death. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. For Christians, physical death is not the same thing as it is for other folk. For Christians, physical death is just a departure. It's a transition. I'm in this studio right now. When I finish this podcast, I'm going to leave the studio and go to my office. When I leave the studio, I'm going to transition to another place. I'm not going to cease living, stop living. I'm just going to go from one place to another place. So for the believer, that's all it is. The believer is not dead the believer died. That's an act. Dead is a state of being. The believer simply leaves earth and goes to heaven from one place to another place. Now, I also believe this, and I'll close with this. I believe that once we start preaching the gospel of the kingdom, I believe that we're going to see more people raised from the dead. I believe that with all my heart. We're going to see more people raised from 
the dead. Well, that, that concludes this. We got one more lesson. We're going to talk about heaven's ambassadors, and that's you and I. We'll talk about that next week. So I got some questions. Let's look at our questions and our comments. Question number one, are all addictions a demonic possession? No, I don't think think all addictions are demonic possessions. Now, uh, I have a series called Walking on Serpents and Scorpions. And we're going to really get into that down the road in this kingdom teaching. And there are different levels of oppression. Okay, different levels. Satan influences the mind, the, the thoughts of people. He dropped thoughts in their minds. That's one level of influence. But there's another level of influence where he oppresses people, and sometimes that oppression can be sickness. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So sickness is a form of oppression, but that's not necessarily a demon being in a person. And then there's obsession. Obsession is, is probably what we call an addiction. And addiction doesn't necessarily mean that the person has a demon on the inside. Now, demons can get on the inside of, and, and that's, that can be a lower level of a demon controlling a certain area, but it can also be possession where the demon totally controls the person. I don't think a demon can possess and totally control a believer, but a demon can oppress a believer. But I don't think addictions, for the most part, are demon, uh, doesn't necessarily have to do with a demon. Now, here's what I... I asked the Spirit of God years ago about something. Uh, I was praying for somebody who was dealing with some drugs. They had a drug addiction. And I asked the Spirit of God, I said, now how do you deal with that? He said this to me. He didn't say cast out the devil. He said, break the power of the habit over the person's life. Break the power of the habit over the person's life. I break the power of that habit over your life in Jesus' name. Now, that person has to do some things, has to do some things. I believe in rehabs. I believe in all that stuff. If you, if you need that, I believe in it. But I believe that the word can break addictions. I believe that you can break the uh, addictions over your life just through God's word. But I do believe in rehabs. I do believe we support rehabs. We support, I encourage people to to get some counseling. I'm not against any of that. But I don't think an addiction is necessarily some possession or something like that. But I think that's a good question. Question, Pastor, shouldn't every citizen of the kingdom be relying on the resources of the king to produce every spiritual, material, physical needs? Yes. I think once we understand the kingdom, and we're going to get in that a little bit next week when we talk about ambassadors, and I'll just throw a little hint out there. An ambassador of the United States is not dependent on the country that the ambassador is living in or operating in or representing. The ambassador's resources come from the kingdom, from the the nation that it is a citizen of. So 
to answer your question, kingdom citizens should be dependent on the resources of the king. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Question about technology. Even people in grass huts now have online capabilities. Might this be how some are reached? Yeah, I think I think technology will play a great part in it. And I think technology has has really uh, been wonderful in, in getting the gospel out. There are so many people who don't have technology yet. They don't have the technology. And so when people say, you know, Jesus coming next week or Jesus coming next month, Jesus coming in, I, I, I think that, that more has to happen before he comes. Because if he came today, there will be so many people who never even heard the name Jesus. Never heard the name Jesus, okay? And God is not just into getting us who are Christians out of here. He wants everybody. He wants anybody to perish. So I do think we got some time. Now listen, here's another question. Comment question. I'm confused. I heard a well-known pastor whom I respect dearly lately been ministering that Jesus is on his way back here. Pastor, please give me clarity on this subject. You are my shepherd and I'm following you, but I'm confused and I need understanding on this. Well, let me let me say this. Let me say two things about it. I think I answered the question. I think I answered the question before I got to this one. Jesus said, and I, I quoted the text, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, then the end will come. Now, that's what he said. I don't think the gospel of the kingdom has been preached as a witness through evidential signs and wonders. I don't think it's happened yet. I don't think that's happened. So when people say he's coming, you know, I, I don't understand that. I, I, I understand that. That's what Jesus said. I think, I think most Christians don't even know what the kingdom is. And so we're, we're preaching parts of it. We're just preaching parts of it. And if we don't preach the kingdom of God, we're not going to have the signs and wonders. And we know that. So... So I'll say this to you, and I don't mean any disrespect because you're asking me out of honor. So I hope I don't sound disrespectful. When we're listening to so many voices, and that's the downside of social media, is now we're listening to everybody's voice. And when we listen to everybody's voice, we're going to be confused because this person going to say this and this minister going to say this and this. I personally, I'm not saying this because you are my sheep. I'm not saying this and I'm not saying everybody should listen to me. I don't think I'm the only pastor. God said, I'm going to give you pastors after my heart, plural. 
I think the problem with Christians today, especially social media, they listening to everybody. And so this one says this and this one says this. And so they could get confused. I think we should find out who our pastor is, find out who our church is. And I think that should be the center of our theology and our philosophy where God wants us to be. If we make everybody our pastor, everybody our authority, we're going to be confused. And I don't I hope I'm not sounding sectarian and I hope that I'm not separating you from listening to other people because I listen to other people, but I'm saying we get confused. I listen to other people. I don't get confused. I just don't receive everything that everybody's saying. I eat the fish, spit out the bone. And then sometimes it may not be bone. It's just that I don't agree with that. So confusion comes when we give weight to everybody's voice. I hope that helped you. Comment, that is a great point on Christians focusing on getting to heaven when God's purpose was always for man to rule the earth. Thank you. Question, explain what is meant where to dominate the earth and how. Okay. One of the things that I said about this series is that it's a foundation. Okay, it's a foundational series. If you go out and, uh, and watch a builder being built, you look at the foundation, you're not going to see the building. You're going to see the foundation. That's what I'm laying. So when you say how, I can't answer you how in this foundational series. The next series is when we're going to begin to understand how we do it. How do we dominate? How we do it? So I'm saying to you, each, I'm laying the foundation and then we're going to build the superstructure. The superstructure has a lot to do with the how, but even that is going to take us time because we're going to deal with four primary areas. We're going to deal with uh, culture and character. We're going to deal with values. And that's a part of the how. That's This culture and character is a, is a series. It's a part of the how. Values is a series. It's a part of the how. Power is a part of the how. Authority is a part of the how. So it's a series, okay? And right now I'm dealing with the foundation, so I can't fully answer the how because it, it's, it's a part of the building that we're building and you're that building. Um, comment. Um, uh, Pastor, thank you so much for clarity you're giving. Thanks to you, I'm getting answers to questions. Oh, Lord, I lost my questions. I lost my questions. Oh, Lord, let me get back to my questions. Let me get back to my questions. Oh, Lord. Give me a, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Thank you. I lost my questions. Okay. Um. The comment was, Pastor, thank you. Uh, I'm getting clarity. Uh, I'm getting answers to questions I've had all my life. I'm glad. Now, here's the question. The worldly experts are forecasting a stock market crash. How should we pray with all that we're about to face? How should we prepare financially? Thank you for such powerful revelations. Well, I, I can't answer that question because I don't know about a stock market crash. And I don't even know if that's true. You see what I'm saying? If I try to answer that question, that, that's information that you got about a stock market crash, 
I don't know anything about it, so I can't answer how do we deal with it because I don't even know if that's true. I do know this, that if we operate in kingdom principles, I think there's a natural side and there's a spiritual side, period. Goal setting, planning, budgeting, part of that natural side, but I think there's a spiritual side, tithing, giving, confession, and so that's all I know. I don't know anything about the, um, I don't know anything, I don't know anything about the, um, I don't know anything about the um, stock market crashing. So I wish I could answer that, but I, I can't answer that because I don't know, I don't know anything about it. And personally, I don't even know if, I don't even know if that, I don't know if that even true. Uh, the next question is, do you think that the whole world will ever hear about Jesus and those who believe their religion is correct and won't, won't change? My husband asked me one day, what if we die and found out we were serving the wrong religion? Others were right. What do you think? I told him I would just be wrong. <laughs> I will stick with who I'm with. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these questions and stuff, I think it's really good stuff. You, you're asking really good stuff. I mean, uh, do you think the whole world will ever hear about Jesus? I think the whole world will have an opportunity to hear. I think the whole world will have an opportunity to hear. I don't know how. But the, the scripture says this gospel must be preached in all the nations. For, uh, so I believe that the I believe that the whole world will have an opportunity to hear. That's my belief based off what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 14. So I believe that. Now, um, the question about there will always be people who believe their religion is correct. There will always be Buddhists and Islam and, and Hindus and all the other people who believe their religion is correct. So that's not going to, everybody's not going to change, but I believe everybody's going to have an opportunity here. I believe that. Um, my husband asked me one day, what if we die and found out we we're serving the wrong religion? Well, you know, and I don't mean in disrespect to your husband when I say this, but I'm not serving a religion. I don't think Christianity is a religion. I think Christianity is a relationship. It's a relationship with a living person. And people who are religious, they just do stuff. Like they, they do things and they don't do things, but they have no the relationship. I don't know about you your husband or whoever, but I got a relationship with Jesus. He's real to me, you know? So people who are religious, they got religious uh, acts and things that they do. They may go to church and they may pray and they may read this and they may bow so many times a day and all that kind of stuff. That's not what Christianity is. There are things we do in Christianity, but Christianity is a relationship with a living Christ. And see, the difference between Christianity and religions is that in most of those religions, the leader died and stayed dead. In Christianity, the leader 
of Christianity died and he's still alive and he's live right now. So, so I would say to your husband, it's a relationship. So I don't think I'm going to wake up and think I serve the wrong religion because I'm not serving a religion. And I hope I'm not sounding flippant because I don't mean to. I think that's a good question that your husband asked. Uh, is it possible that healings and deliverance sometimes not manifesting because this message of the kingdom of God has not been preached much? I think I think that's why we don't have a lot of healings and miracles because we're we're preaching get saved, get saved, and that's important, and we should preach that, but we don't preach the other parts of it. We don't preach deliverance from death and all its manifestations. And really, you got to go back and meditate on that to even get it. Because when people hear death, they think of dying physically. But death manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Lack, poverty, scarcity, sickness, disease, divorce, all these things are manifestations of death. And as believers in the kingdom, we're delivered from all this stuff. We're delivered from all of it. Amen. Good questions. Good questions. Absolutely wonderful. You did a great job. You're always doing a great job on your questions. I know I went over a little bit, but I wanted to review some of what we, we said. But you're hanging in there, and I appreciate it. And, and we're going to finish this series up, this foundational series, and then we're going to get into some of these what's, how we do this and how we do that uh, in the near future. I love you. Look forward to seeing you next time.